Okay, good evening. Today is Tuesday, February 20th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter and step is um, step 12, and our speaker tonight is Stephen G. Thank you so much, Stephen. Thanks, Francesca. Thank you. Uh, can you hear me okay? Yep, okay. So my name is Stephen G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Toronto, Canada. Uh, at the moment, I'm in uh, Mexico City. So I want to thank Chantal for inviting me and for all of you for being here tonight. And special welcome to any newcomers or people who are coming back from relapse. You may hear some things that don't make sense, um, but they become clear with time, some new principles. So uh, I'm going to talk about step 12, but uh, first I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself, what qualifies me to to come and speak to you tonight. I'll speak a bit, a little bit about my history of the disease, but I'm not gonna talk about that very much, uh, just so that you may be able to relate, but my focus is gonna be more on the solution. I'll tell you a little bit about my history of the solution in Overeaters Anonymous. Then I'm gonna focus on the nature of the problem and the nature of the solution. Because we really can't talk about step 12 and really understand it until we fully understand the nature of the problem. And then finally, I'm going to go in more detail into step 12. Tell you a little bit about my, my experience and, and use some references from the big book. Um, this talk could be, step 12 is a huge topic. It could be an hour, it could be a workshop. So I'm going to just focus on some specific things. And everything I say comes from the big book. There may be some things that are my opinion. If they come out as my opinion, disregard them. Go back to the big book. Uh, so a bit about me. So I am 51. I, uh, uh, my life, my early life was, um, I grew up in a very normal family, I thought, anyway. I don't have any major traumas that I thought made me a compulsive overeater. But between the ages of 16 and 37, um, I went from 160 pounds to 300 pounds, and I gained and lost 50 pounds probably 10 times. Um, I tried everything. I thought I was a fairly normal person. Uh, I tried everything. I used exercise. I used um, dieting, restricting, nutritionist, uh, personal trainer, all those things. But eventually I'd get right back to the same place. And uh, I experienced my disease uh, manifested in weight gain and obesity. And I know that's not always the case for people. Uh, but that was kind of my marker of my disease. And um, I experienced a lot of the indignities of compulsive overeating related uh, to, to that weight gain and, and weight loss. And so I'll share some of them just so perhaps some of you can, can relate. Um, not wanting to be photographed, uh, having a photo taken, about, uh, taken of me one month, the next month I looked completely different. Running into people who saw me when, I used to be a competitive athlete. They'd see, they knew me then, meet me when I gained 100 pounds. I think, what happened to you, seeing that look in their eyes? Um, not wanting to wash my clothes because they, they got tight. We get uncomfortable, so I'd wear clothes over and over again with stains on them that were uncomfortable. Um, my thighs rubbing together, getting sores, not wanting to be in an airplane seat to put up the seatbelt, having breasts as a man, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Those are the indignities of compulsive overeating, but by the grace of this program and a higher power, I no longer have to live like that. 
Um, I've been maintaining a probably 80 pound weight loss for, for about 12 years now. Uh, I've been abstinent for 12 years. Uh, I've been recovered for seven years. And I'll point out to you what I mean by that uh, as I go. Um, I came to Overeaters Anonymous because I was out of ideas. And uh, the first three years, I, you know, slogan, take what you need and leave the rest. I took what I needed. I left the rest with predictable results. So I didn't really define what abstinence was. I didn't work the steps. I got a sponsor, but I didn't do the work. And uh, I had relapses of increasing severity. Um, three of them they got worse and worse and worse. And then in the last relapse, uh, I didn't leave my house for probably three to four weeks, except to go to the grocery store or the convenience store nearby to buy food. I couldn't look the clerk in the eye. And I basically at home went from my couch to my bed, my couch to my bed, couch to my bed. Didn't respond to emails. Uh, my house was a mess with dirty dishes, et cetera, et cetera. And the only thing I could think of that would make me feel better was to eat more. And I knew that there was something wrong with me. Um, and I wanted to kill myself. It was really the only, only way out that I could see. So I came back to Overeaters, and Overeaters Anonymous. I got a sponsor. I took it more seriously. I defined abstinence at the time, although in retrospect, it wasn't entire abstinence, but it was a beginning. And I went through the 12 steps and things got better. And I got physical recovery. But I now see that it wasn't recovered because it wasn't stable. It was dependent on a lot of the tools. It was dependent on getting a hold of my sponsor at a certain time. And I would emotionally drift to where I was very uncomfortable and got very, very, very close to losing the abstinence and relapsing. Um, I now understand why that was happening. I didn't understand that in then, but it was better. Things were better. Uh, about seven years ago, I came across uh, a group of people within OA that were studying the big book, a meeting called The Vision for You. And it changed everything about my recovery. Um, this is a program of attraction rather than promotion. And I saw these people, I went to their conferences and I saw people who were, they described, first they described themselves as recovered. And I'd never heard that term before. And the idea almost seemed like it was tempting fate and being arrogant. But in truth, it is on the title page of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, which was written 90 years ago and is the foundation of every single 12-step recovery program. And by recovered, they weren't meaning cured, but they were talking about a state that they could live in one day at a time so they could feel peaceful, live in a healthy body weight and not worry about food. And these people uh, were happy. Um, they were normal body sizes and they spent almost no time talking about food, we're talking about weight, and I wanted what they had, and um, and I started studying the big book, and everything changed. So let me talk now about the nature of the problem. And part of the thing about studying the big book is it, it simplified everything for me. When I came into uh, Overeaters Anonymous, I was a very confused, angry person, and this is when I used to go to in-person meetings pre-pandemic and on the wall there'd be a poster 12 steps another poster 12 traditions another poster nine or ten tools so that's 33 34 things that was very confusing to me 
And now I understand those things. I understand why they're there. But the big book quite simplified things very much for me. The first thing is the nature of the problem. What is, what is my problem? It's two parts to it. The first part is my body is not normal. So I'm different. So I'm exposed to certain foods, ingredients, or behaviors related to the food. It produces a heightened pleasurable sensation that other people don't get. I didn't know that. And it may last only for a few seconds, but that's what I remember. And then it's immediately followed by the phenomenon of craving. And not craving in the conventional sense. You know, I'm craving this, or I'm craving that, I want that. But craving in the sense that I now become a robot. A switch has been, has been flipped. So I'm no longer in control of my body. I must eat. I am compelled. And I don't know when it's going to end. I don't know what the consequences are. And it doesn't matter what other obligations I have in my life. It'll take me to the end. So that was very helpful for me to know. And it's very, very well explained in the big book in the doctor's team. And, um, and it allowed me to forgive myself. Oh, that's why I did those things. But if that was the only problem, then just stop doing those things. Of course, that's not the only problem. The main problem centers in my mind. I'm not mentally normal. I'm abnormal. Despite all the other things in my life that may look normal, my mind will always tell me, there'll always be a twist of the mind that will tell me that it's okay to go back and do those things. So I'll start the whole process again. I'll go in cycles for the rest of my life. And as a result, I'm doomed. I needed to hear that. It's actually very simple. I needed to understand this problem was permanent. It's not going anywhere. It was progressive. Gets worse with time. And it's fatal. And in my case, the fatality won't be because of the chronic illness, illnesses related to obesity. The binges became so emotionally, psychologically, physically uncomfortable that I'm convinced my death will come with suicide. And it'll take a couple of weeks. So it was like a doctor sitting down with me and telling me, you're going to die. I needed to know that. Thank you for telling me that. The other concept that was important for me to understand is, is, is important when sponsoring is ten, the idea. Ten. Sorry, I didn't hear that. Ten minutes. Ten minutes. The idea of abstinence. Abstinence is not the solution. It's a prerequisite for the solution, but it's not the solution. Abstinence is a painful, uncomfortable, unstable state for a compulsive overeater. It won't last unless quickly followed by a spiritual experience as a result of working the steps. So once I quote unquote put down the food, I must get through those steps quickly like my hair is on fire. So what is the nature of the solution? Number one, entire abstinence to address the physical allergy of the body. Number two, a spiritual experience as a result of working the steps as they're instructed in the book, which gives very, very detailed, simple instructions. And as a result of that, I can get to the recovered state. One day at a time, I can live a life of normalcy. People won't know I'm a recovered compulsive reader or a compulsive reader unless I tell. It's not meaning I'm normal, but I can live a normal life. So now we move on to step 12. What are the implications of that for step 12? So we tend to think of step 12 as being sponsorship. But in fact, it's, it's written in a certain way. There's three parts to it. The first part is having had a spiritual experience as the res result of these steps. 
So traditional 11, we are a program of attraction, not promotion. When I go to somebody who's suffering an impulsive overeating, it won't be so much what I tell them, but it'll be my demeanor. I tell them I used to be like this, and I come to them not trying to sell them anything. But there's something different about my demeanor. And that demeanor, I can't come to on my own self-will. I have to be worked. I have to have worked the steps. So those sort of, if we talk about maintenance or growth steps, 10, 11, and 12. This first part of step 12 is telling me, Stephen, are you doing step 10 and 11 to the best of your abilities? Otherwise, I go to people with self-will. Let me try to control you. Let me try to manage you. It's like an airplane. Airplane oxygen mask comes down. It says, put it on yourself before you put it on others. Are you maintaining and growing your spiritual experience before you try to help anybody else? Good. So that's part one. Number two, we tried to carry this message. So it doesn't matter whether the message is received. I get the spiritual benefit by trying to carry it. And what is this message? Well, this message is, what is the nature of the problem? What is the nature of the solution? It's permanent, progressive, and it's fatal. And this is what abstinence means. Okay. Now, we must sponsor. <clears throat> the book tells us that. We must. I don't know anybody with long-term, sustained, peaceful recovery that isn't sponsoring. We must. And the big book says, it gives us lots of examples about this. Uh, it says, practical experience shows nothing will so much ensure immunity from compulsive overeating as intensive work with other compulsive overeaters. You can help where no one else can. You can secure their confidence when others fail. At my experience, there are three determinants of whether somebody will recover or not. And none of them have anything to do with me as the sponsor. The first one is, the accumulated pain and suffering of the disease. That is the only thing that will motivate me to do the work. I have tried every way to get out of this program, every way to negotiate with entire abstinence, every way to negotiate with not doing the steps. I could not negotiate. And it is only when I was backed into a corner Frothy emotional appeal wouldn't appeal to me, like the doctor's opinion said. I needed to have to be surrounded by quicksand like Bill Wilson. Food was my master. I needed to be at the jumping off point, as they talk about in the chapter of Vision for You. I will know loneliness as few do. I did. I will not be able to live with compulsive reading or without. I knew that. I needed to be there. Otherwise, I'll try everything to get out. So the pain of and suffering of the disease will be the engine, that's number one. Number two are the instructions in the big book. That's the path. And number three, the power at the end of that, however you choose to describe that makes no difference, but it's almost consistent. If we do this, we will get that. And that's what I've experienced. Doesn't matter whether I believe it or not. I haven't mentioned a sponsor. I am only a guide. It repeats over and over in the big book. Oh, sorry, there's some sort of emoji coming. It repeats over and over in the big book that the whole purpose of this is to develop a dependence on a power greater than ourselves, not a dependence on me. I am a guide. I am not the main attraction. I've never been on a tour where I stopped following the guide and he came back, threw me on his shoulder and carried me. He may urge me, please follow me this way. 
please, this is the way. But if I don't follow, the tour is over. I'm simply a guy. Sponsoring for me had to be a clear definition of what I am and what I am not. Five minutes. Thank you. What I am, I, I am a person who by the grace of this program and the grace of the power greater than myself has gotten emotional and mental spiritual recovery, peace and serenity. I'm presenting myself to somebody who's suffering. And when I was suffering, I was emotionally ill. I must be clear about who I am, what I'm here to do. I'm here to share my experience, to guide you through this big book, uh, and to show you what happened to me and see if it'll help you. I'm not here to be a therapist. You seem like a very nice person. We're all friendly. Um, we may become friends, but this isn't a friendship. You don't owe me anything. You don't necessarily have to ask me how I'm doing. I'm here to be of service to you. You don't need to people please me. And the clear boundaries. What are we doing here? How fast are we going to go through this? Uh, what happens if I lose my abstinence? What happens if I don't do these things you asked me to do? So that from the beginning, people know what are we doing here? And a clear timeline. It's clear when we understand the, the, what the definition of abstinence is for a compulsible reader, we must work fast. So there must be a timeline. And that timeline cannot be set by the person who's in the disease. It must be set by the person who's trying to help the person out of the disease. The other thing is abstinence must be black and white. Now, that's not to say that we don't learn things about uh, uh, foods, behaviors, etc., that causes a problem as we go. We do. But it must be clear when we start, at least at our current state of knowledge, what are the foods, ingredients, and behaviors that cause me a problem? So that every day when we work the steps, were you abstinent or not? Did you drink alcohol or not? None of this, well, the food was a little bit sloppy or the food was not good. It can't be like that. If we're triggering the allergy of the body, the steps don't work. The book tells us that. And again, the whole process is about teaching the person to depend on a power greater than myself. The whole purpose is that for that person at the end of the process with me to have the tools, to have the skills to depend on a power greater than myself. And then I just become a resource. So we talked about the first part, having had a spiritual experience. We've talked about the second part, which is sponsoring. A commonly forgot third part is to practice these principles in all our affairs. And I sometimes forget that too. Well, I'll just sponsor these people. I'll do my step 10, 11 and sponsor these people, everything good. But I have to go out into the world outside of the fellowship. And it's telling me to practice these principles in all my affairs. What are those principles? And the most important point principle, and it says this in, in the chapter of how it works, I am no longer the director of my life or other people's lives or the world. So I must depend on a power greater than myself. I must trust and rely on this power. And the book shows me how to do that. I don't have to come up with that in my own head. Uh, the other important principle is on page 85, love and tolerance is our cool. We've stopped fighting anything and anyone. And the one I like best, uh, which is actually on page 19, and this I'm almost finished, which is in the chapter, there is a solution. It's on page 19 and it says, it says most of us sense that real tolerance of other people's shortcomings and viewpoints and a respect for their opinions are attitudes which make us more useful to others. 
that is something that I have to constantly try to remember each day. And I kind of make mistakes of it. But whenever I do step 10, talk to another fellow, I get back to you. So these three features of step three um, allow me to maintain that spiritual experience and to grow um, and to be of, of service. And I couldn't do anything in any of these things on my own power. By my own power, I'm a selfish, self-centered, dishonest, frightened person. It's only by the power of this higher power, whatever you choose to call it, I call it God, by following these specific instructions that I've had this result. And my life has transformed. When I first came into OA, I was scared to leave my house because I would be immediately somewhere I could binge. Once I got a little abstinence, I was scared to leave my city because <laughs> I needed to be close to meetings that I know. Now I'm in Mexico City. Um, I'm leading a completely normal life. Um, I can go anywhere anyone else goes, so long as I follow a few simple rules, uh, which is what this book says. And my life has been transformed. It's not just the food, it's everything else. I didn't need the world to change. I was changed, and then the world became okay for me. And that's all I have to share. Thank you very much. Happy to answer any questions. Thank you so much, Stephen, for such a wonderful, clear, um, inspiring share. Um, we will now open the meeting for three-minute questions and shares. Um, as this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We asked you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is reactions, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone. I will call the raised hands and orders and the Zoom host will ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Would the timekeeper please set a three minute timer for each share and announce when time is up. If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for an answer. And um, first we have Carolyn. Thank you, Carolyn. Hi everybody. Thank you, Stephen, so much for your share. Um, I, I think my trouble is that I don't work the steps fast enough. Um, but there's this tremendous resistance to working the steps fast enough. Um, and I don't know where that comes from, but I guess my question for you is how fast is fast enough? And how do you determine that as a sponsor? <laughs> yeah, good question. Can you hear me? Can you hear yeah. Me? yeah. Yeah, good question. And um, there's examples in the big book. So um, when Abby Thatcher, Abby Thatcher is the guy that goes to Bill Wilson, who's one of the original founders, and presents this solution to him. And he mentions that two months before he had been incarcerated uh, because of behavior related to alcohol. And then somebody presented him this solution. At the time, it was the early stages of coming up with these, these 12 steps. So two months, so that, and I'm assuming that it wasn't all those two months that he did this work in the steps, so, so less than two months. And then we, we see when, uh, when um, Bill Wilson does the steps, he does them in a few weeks. Uh, when Dr. Bob, who Bill Wilson presents a solution to, uh, goes through the steps, he does them in a couple of weeks. So they can be done very, very quickly. It really only depends on the person being sponsored. Um, so, now, in that period of time, once we put the food down and until we get to step 12, we're vulnerable. We have no, we have no effective mental defense and, and, and 
um, against that mental obsession, which, which tells us to eat. So the book, ref, book talks about hospitalization. Now, I think what that means in practical terms for, for us, for most of us, don't require hospitalization, but we need to set things up so that we're safe. And we need a ton of fellowship. So in that period of time, anybody I sponsor, I require them to do a minimum of a meeting, a meeting a day. We speak every day very briefly problem-focused. They have to make at least one outreach call to a person, to another fellow. That's, that's structure and support. So people need that and then get through those steps very, very quickly. So you can actually get through, you can get through to step nine like, very quickly. And I spend a couple of weeks actually doing 10, 11, and 12 with people because those are things that people just need to get a grasp on. That's how they're going to live their daily lives. So it can be done quickly. It really depends on, on the, uh, the person being sponsored. If anybody tells you you need a few months or several months, mm, go back to the big book. Don't listen to what I say. Who am I? You know? What does the book that's been around for 100 years that is responsible for a million people, more than a million people recovering, what does it say? That's where I go to. Thank Hold you down. so much. That was really helpful. Thank you so much, Caroline, and thank you so much, Stephen. And next we have Chanel. Hi, I'm Chanel. I'm a grateful compulsive eater. I get to live in recovery today purely by the grace of God. Francesca, thank you for taking the meeting. Yvonne, thank you for hosting. Everyone doing service. And Stephen, I'm so glad to hear you here tonight. And um, I was wondering if you would speak to what happens for you in reference to the top of page 96, where it's talking about do not be discouraged if your prospect does not respond at once. And just, you know, how you know when or how you how you go about either letting someone hear another voice or those kinds of things. Does that make sense the way I asked that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, thank you. Yeah, and and let me just say that uh, what the way I do things now is has been through making lots of mistakes and uh, and learning from others, more experienced people who have shared with me and really have pointed me back to this book. So take what I say with a grain of grain of salt. But so the, if if I look at those things that I mentioned, which are the three the determinants of recovery, the the, the driver for a person's recovery will be the degree of desperation. I, like I mentioned, I tried to wiggle out of everything until I was backed into a corner. Like uh, um, Melissa, Melissa C, I think from Vision for You, it says, there were left, I was left with only two doors. Death, do this. That's no exaggeration. That's what I needed to have. And so if I can use the term higher power of God, God sets very clear boundaries with me. Stephen, I've given you self-will. You can do whatever you want. But I'll be there when you're ready. I'll be there to pull you out of the mess. So that's exactly what I did. And so I do the same thing with people I sponsor. I give them the respect to do whatever they want. However, from the beginning, I say to people, these are the boundaries. You won't be able to be abstinent when we go from putting the food down to 12, to step 12. You have no power. So you must do these things every day. You must do a meeting every day. You must do an outreach call to a recovered fellow. Recovered fellow. And you and I must have a conversation every day. When you're thinking of eating, you have all these tools. Read the big book. Pray. There's a meeting 24 hours a day everywhere. <laughs> so this is an indication of your willingness. And so if people don't do that, so every day I ask them, did you do this? 
if they didn't do it once, I just give them a friendly nudge. Please, something we need to do. If they don't do it twice, I say, let's take a break for a week. Contact, let's talk, touch base in a week. And if you, if you want to continue, let's continue. If it happens the third time, I say, I'm not the right person for you. Or perhaps um, I'm not, you know, I'm not the right messenger or, um, or you're not ready. So it's clear from the beginning. Similarly with abstinence. Once is a learning experience. Dr. Bob, after Bill Bilson presented him with the solution, didn't want to do the steps, went on a huge binge, and then he came back and did it. Right? So I, the same thing. Once abstinence, we can't work the steps when you're, when you're drunk. Let's take a break for a week. Let's touch base in a week. If you want to continue, let's do that. Twice abstinence, I'm sorry, you may not be ready, or I'm not the right messenger for you. It's said from the beginning. So people, I give people this, I say, let me know if this works for you. Because what I learned is we have a very valuable um, gift. There are people dying who will grasp onto it. So, so I tell for people right from the beginning, so there's no business of this, oh, my sponsor fired me. Well, what is that? That's silly. What do you mean your sponsor fired you? And from the beginning, I'm not a therapist. I'm not your friend. I say that. You are a wonderful person. We may become friends. Fine. So, uh, so that it's clear from the beginning what we're doing, and then I can I, I give people the opportunity. Sorry, I'm going on and on. I hope that helped. <laughs> I could talk for a couple hours. <laughs> thank you so much, Chanel, and thank you, Stephen, uh, and Nick, Ava, Rachel. Hi, everybody. I'm Rachel, I'm compulsive overeater. Um, I loved your share so much, Stephen. I'm so, uh, I'm just in a bit of a fog right now because like, like a good fog. Um, time has st stood still. I just completed step four and five over the weekend and it was incredible. Um, my sponsor, I heard him speak and he said that you would be a changed person and I'm there. So it's been really miraculous and I'm just in all of this program. I just loved hearing you speak so much about step 12 because I, have not looked ahead, even though my personality would want me to, because I have anxiety. Um, but I'm just, it's such a beautiful share that you, that you gave us. And I, and I can't wait to get there and serve. I, I just think so much about um, the service that my sponsor is doing with me. And I'm just, I'm really looking forward to being able to give that back to people. So thank you so much for your share. I will be returning to it when I'm at step 12. Thank you very much for your service. My pleasure. Thank you. Keep moving. Keep going. Good work. Thank you so much, Rachel. And um, next we have Leslie Kay. Unmute. There it goes. Hi, my name is Leslie, and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, Stephen. Um, I don't have a real clear um understanding of what i'm chasing here but i i would love to hear how this uh approach to your abstinence has impacted your personal relationships and if your personal relationships have changed um because of the the way that you're living an authentic life in abstinence thank you mm -hmm. Thank you, Leslie. Good question. So let's talk about this thing called abstinence first. So as soon as I become abstinent, the book tells me I become restless, irritable, 
discontent. That is my baseline nature. I use food to treat that with horrible side effects. So if I just became abstinent, first of all, I'm emotionally unstable. It's temporary. All of my relationships would get worse <laughs> unless I work the steps quickly. And uh, I mean, to answer your question, everything has been transformed, everything. Um, I, I was not aware, you know, step four and five, we learned that, that the problem is not really food. The problem is that I'm this thing called self-centered. I have difficulty seeing that. I'm abnormally and excessively focused on myself. And you can be selfish by thinking you're the best, or you can be selfish by thinking you're the worst. Just spending more time thinking about myself. And that's what I was. And uh, the steps, individual steps, address all those things. It's not like I thought about how to fix my relationships. No. I followed the instructions of this person who was guiding me based on the instructions in this book. And over time, everything got better. Hope that's helpful. Thank you so much for the question, Leslie, and thank you so much for your answer, Stephen. And we will now stop the recorded part of the meeting.